difference over the correct length of a meter. Seventeen nation members join the original Bureau. Fifty-eight now belong, including all the major industrialized nations. The suite of standard units it oversees has grown to seven. The meter, length, the kilogram, mass, the ampere, electrical current, the kelvin, temperature, the mole, volume, the candela, luminosity, and the second. Among its many duties, the Bureau maintains a single official worldwide time for all of Earth, called Coordinated Universal Time, or UTC. When UTC was first devised in 1970, the organizing parties could not agree on whether to use the English acronym CUT or the French acronym TUC, so they compromised on UTC. Every timepiece in the world, from the hyper-accurate clocks in orbiting global positioning satellites to the cog-bound wristwatch, is synchronized directly or eventually to UTC. Wherever you live or go, whenever you ask what time it is, the answer ultimately is mediated by the timekeepers at the Bureau. Time is what everybody agrees the time is, a time researcher explained to me at one point. To be late, then, is to be late according to the agreed-on time. By definition, the Bureau's time is not merely the most correct time in the world, it is precisely the correct time. This meant, as I glanced at my watch, yet again, that I was not merely late. I was as late as I have ever been and as late as it is possible to be. Soon enough, I would learn just how far behind the time I truly was. A clock does two things. It ticks, and it counts the ticks. The clepsydra, or water clock, ticks to the steady drip of water which in more advanced devices drives a set of gears that nudges a pointer along a series of numbers or hash marks, thereby indicating time's passage. The clepsydra was in use at least 3,000 years ago, and Roman senators used them to keep their colleagues from talking for too long. According to Cicero, to seek the clock was to request the floor, and to give the clock was to yield it. Water ticked and added up to time. For most of history, though, In most clocks, what ticked was Earth. As the planet rotates on its axis, the sun crosses the sky and casts a moving shadow. Cast on a sundial, the shadow indicates where you are in the day. The pendulum clock, invented in 1656 by Christian Huygens, relies on gravity, affected by Earth's rotation, to swing a weight back and forth which drives a pair of hands around the face of the clock. A tick is simply an oscillation, a steady beat. Earth's turning provided the rhythm. In practice, what ticked was the day, the rotational interval from one sunrise to the next. Everything in between, the hours and minutes, was contrived, a man-made way to break up the day into manageable units for us to enjoy, employ, and trade. Increasingly, our days are governed by seconds. They are the currency of modern life, the pennies of our time, ubiquitous and critical in a pinch. For instance, when you just managed to make a train connection, yet sufficiently marginal to be frittered away or dropped by the handful without thought. For centuries, the second existed only in the abstract. It was a mathematical subdivision, defined by relation. One sixtieth of a minute, one thirty-six hundredth of an hour, one eighty-six thousand four hundredth of a day. Seconds pendulums appeared on some German clocks in the fifteenth century but it wasn't until 1670 when the British clockmaker William Clement added a second's pendulum with its familiar tick-tock to Huygens' pendulum clock that the second acquired a reliably physical or at least audible form. 
The second fully arrived in the 20th century with the rise of the quartz clock. Scientists had found that a crystal of quartz resonates like a tuning fork, vibrating at tens of thousands of times per second when placed on an oscillating electrical field. The exact frequency depends on the size and shape of the crystal. A 1930 paper titled The Crystal Clock noted that this property could drive a clock. Its time derived from an electrical field instead of gravity would prove reliable in earthquake zones and on moving trains and submarines. Modern quartz clocks and wristwatches typically use a crystal that has been laser-engineered to vibrate at exactly 32,768, or 2 to the 15th, times per second, or 32,768 hertz. This provided a handy definition of the second, 32,768 vibrations of a quartz crystal. By the 1960s, when scientists managed to measure an atom of cesium naturally undergoing 9,100,000,000...